Today, we're talking about this super nasty Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, Nina Ogdahl situation, threats getting thrown around. Mr. Beast broke a world record, but then found himself in an international scandal. California got slammed by a quake cane and our government's on fire in a new fun way. We're gonna talk about all that and so much more in today's brand new Philip DeFranco show. You daily dive into the news, so buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. Starting with, in internet drama news, let's talk about fighter Dylan Dennis threatening Logan Paul's fiance. Right, so Dylan and Logan are scheduled to fight one another in October, and we've seen the kind of usual smack talk leading up to that. But Dylan, over this past week, has taken it to a whole different level by dragging Nina Agdahl into the mix. Right, she's a model, she's engaged to Logan, and Dylan's essentially just been slut-shaming her on Twitter by making jokes about her sex life or by posting photos of her with other men. And this notably coming after she and Logan recently revealed that they had waited a bit in their relationship before having sex, with a number of people jumping in to mock him, but Dylan especially. Though now, it appears to have gone even further, because yesterday, Dylan wrote, I actually have the most insane picture of Nina to ever exist, but I can't share it or the event will be canceled 10,000%. If I drop this pic, it would end the fight and his engagement, and I might even find myself in jail. And going on to say, this picture is like a nuclear bomb. The damage it would do would be irreparable. And so with all that, you had a lot of people thinking, given the way that he's discussing this image, the fact that he's talking about jail, that he's been relentlessly discussing Nina's sex life, this photo is probably graphic and could very well be some form of revenge porn. And while you saw a number of Dylan's supporters and people who just hate Logan Paul cheering that on, you also saw a number of people just absolutely horrified, saying things like, Dylan Dennis is fucking disgusting. This shit isn't funny or some pre-fight nonsense. He's gone way past the point of too far. He's completely soulless. And this is disgusting. A man is taunting releasing a potentially damaging photo of a woman all because she is getting married and they don't believe she deserves a good life because she's had past partners. And even big creators like Corinna Kopf chiming in saying, I can't be the only one who thinks Dylan Dennis is corny as fuck for harassing the fuck out of a woman for absolutely no reason. Talk shit to the person you're fighting, not his fiance. Also, tell him to stop sending and unsending messages to me and my friends. You look so desperate, my guy. But you also had people saying, you know, does he actually really have something? Though there you had people like Andrew Tate chiming in, saying my Twitter inbox had a message from Dylan and he's really not lying. Now, so far, Logan hasn't publicly responded to any of this specific stuff, instead calling him out for things unrelated to his fiance, which is also why you had Dylan tweeting, it's crazy to think that Logan hasn't defended his girlfriend even once, except for trying to get my account deleted and sending me a cease and desist letter, and saying I offered to go on a show impulsive by myself and discuss this, but he declined. Though notably, that tweet includes things Logan said were a lie. And ultimately, as far as what happens next, we'll have to wait to see online, but also the two are supposed to hold a press conference tomorrow and see one another. But with all that said, I gotta pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts regarding this whole mess? And then, Mr. Beast just made mind-blowing YouTube history and found himself in the middle of an international controversy and scandal. Because right, over the weekend, he released a video that completely eclipsed the scale of his old Squid Games video, with it featuring contestants from what Mr. Beast said was every country on the planet in a faux Olympic Games for $250,000. And while it was widely praised and broke the record for most views in a 24-hour period, it was not without controversy because Mr. Beast ran across the bane of anyone talking about world politics, flags, and maps. And because of those, he managed to inadvertently stumble into the middle of some of the world's thorniest political issues. You know, and some of the things were just kind of sloppy mistakes. Things like using the state flag of Georgia for the country of Georgia, which is something that can be annoying to Georgians. Or like he put the U.S. flag in the middle of Europe. Not sure what was up with that. Or having the flag of Tunisia for both Tunisia and Cyprus. Although I will say, I think I know how that one happened. If you just Google Cyprus flag, the first option shows this one. However, that's not the flag of Cyprus, but of North Cyprus. Also, speaking of controversial flags, we should talk about Afghanistan. Because Mr. Beast and friends used the Taliban's flag, which many nations actually have refused to do in order to not legitimize the regime. Though there, I will say my team kind of understood how this happened, because for seven years now, Afghanistan has been horrible for them and flags. I mean, even before the takeover, it was changed like every single year. And I mean, this is such an issue that we actually internally have a database of approved flags. But then also for Mr. Beast, in addition to the flags, there was the maps issue, right? Because you had Mr. Beast likely inadvertently supporting the Chinese Communist Party's claim to Taiwan by including the two together. He also, in addition to recognizing Israel, seemed to come out as partially pro-Palestinian independence by showing it with its own borders, although without Gaza. Or you had some saying that it was pro 
pro-Russia because he included Crimea as a part of that. And then he clearly hates Argentina because he didn't include the Falkland Islands as part of that. But, I mean, joking aside, these types of issues did lead to a lot of comments. Like where you saw a number of Indian fans being upset he didn't include all their territorial claims. Although when you're jumping into these spaces, they're lose-lose, right? Because including them would likely upset fans from the countries those claims affect. But personally, and understand this is just my opinion, given how inconsistent a number of these things were, it didn't feel like it was a purposeful statement. Right? Take Russia and Ukraine. It'd be weird to recognize Russia's claim to Crimea while also not including the other territories it illegally annexed. Or look at China. Despite showing Taiwan as part of it, he separated out Hong Kong. So it feels like the most likely explanation is that these were just mistakes from a team that just didn't know any better. Now with that, I want you to know that doesn't mean that the people offended by this should just get over it or it invalidates their feelings. Because for many of the people that live in these places or they have family there, these are life or death issues. But with all that, I gotta say two things. One, what are your thoughts on this issue? And two, I'd just like to give Mr. Beast a warm welcome to the world of geopolitics, where pretty much every country, border, and topic is a potential controversy waiting to happen. And then, California got punished this weekend. You had Tropical Storm Hillary, which made landfall in Mexico yesterday, crossing into Southern California by the evening, officially making it the first tropical storm to hit the state in 26 years. And as if that wasn't rare enough, we also got a 5.1 magnitude earthquake near Ojai, about 80 miles northwest of downtown LA. Now, thankfully, the earthquake doesn't appear to have caused any serious damage or injuries, but the same can't be said for the storm, with Hillary bringing down torrential rainfall that broke records in a lot of areas. I mean, Los Angeles got hit with a year's worth of rain in just one day. You also have over two years' worth of rain dousing California's desert areas. And so we had officials fearing we could see flash floods, especially in areas downhill from recent wildfires, because those leave burn scars that can actually create a steep, slick surface for water and debris to flow off of. And actually, so far, we've seen a lot of flooding and mudslides, with roads turning into gushing rivers and cars getting submerged, and that leading to some dramatic water rescues like this teen seen clinging from a tree in the middle of the river. And actually with that, as of recording, the storms only killed one person in Mexico when their vehicle was swept away. But we've also seen property damage with winds reaching 60, 70, even 80 miles per hour in mountainous areas and toppling trees, as well as reports of power outages, schools and roads closed, nearly 5,000 flights delayed or canceled. With California even declaring a state of emergency to respond to all of this, though the storm has since been downgraded to a post-tropical cyclone and is now moving on to other western states like Nevada, Arizona, Oregon, and Idaho. With Nevada's governor also declaring a state of emergency to brace for potential flash flooding, mudslides, and rock slides. And Arizona's Mojave County issuing evacuation orders for parts of Lake Mead National Recreation Area due to flooding risks. And, you know, while online I saw a lot of people joking about this, whether it be about a God's wrath, or people being divided on whether to call it a hurricane or a quake cane. But to be clear, these kinds of events are becoming more frequent and intense because of climate change. Right? Warmer atmospheres and oceans enable hurricanes and storms to carry more moisture, and those produce more and more rainfall. Though notably, we're also seeing especially high sea surface temperatures in the tropical Pacific Ocean right now, thanks to El Nino. But, you know, when you expand the scope of this outside of just this one tropical storm, we look back at the summer in the United States, we've been through an awful lot of disasters. We've endured a record heat wave, our cities have been smoked out by Canadian wildfires, large swaths of Maui are just torched, and now this bullshit. So be careful out there, because things are not trending the way that we want them to. And then, y'all, who has not felt the effects of the cost of living in recent years? And with credit cards, personal loans, medical bills, it is too easy to fall into or further into debt. And how many of you have wished that there was another solution to paying off your debt? Well, thanks to today's sponsor, PDS Debt, they have have customized zero interest options for anyone struggling right now. Because if you're making payments every month on your debt, your balances aren't going down, you need to listen up. PDS Debt rolls all of your payments into one low 0% interest monthly payment. Everyone with over $10,000 or more in debt qualifies in. Get this, there is no minimum credit score required. You can pay off your debt in a fraction of the time, saving thousands in interest and fees. And PDS Debt is giving you beautiful bastards a free debt savings analysis just for completing the 30-second online debt assessment at pdsdebt.com slash defranco. Yeah, and you'll receive a full breakdown on how to 
save on interest each month and the quickest way to take care of your debt. Just go to pdsdebt.com slash DeFranco and get your quick and easy debt assessment today. Because it's time to take back control of your life and live for you, not your debt. And then Spain's Women's World Cup win has now been hit with, some have called it a distraction, others calling it a scandal. And that's because the Spanish Soccer Federation's Luis Rubiales decided to kiss one of the players on the lips during celebrations. And after the incident, Jenny Hermoso allegedly told teammates in the locker room she didn't like it. Which yeah, makes sense. And most Spanish fans agreed as the incident sparked major outrage in Spain. Right, because even though kisses are common in Spain, even among strangers, but it's meant to be a greeting as a kiss on the cheeks and rarely involves actually kissing someone, but more touching cheeks and going through the motions. However, despite Hermoso reportedly stating that she didn't like the kiss, she did try to downplay the event, writing in a statement. It was a mutual gesture that was totally spontaneous, prompted by the huge joy of winning a World Cup. The Prezi and I have a great relationship. His behavior with all of us has been 10 out of 10, and this was a natural gesture of affection and gratitude. Whereas the Federation president was a bit more combative towards critics initially, saying, The kiss with Jenny? There are idiots everywhere. When two people have a moment of affection that means nothing more, you can't listen to idiocy. We are the champions, that's it. But that didn't stop the backlash, and it got pretty intense. With even high-ranking government officials commenting on the situation, the culture and sports minister describing the kiss as unacceptable, and the country's gender equality minister saying on Twitter that such a kiss is a kind of sex violence all women suffer daily, which was until now invisible and which we cannot normalize. While the social rights minister commented that if they do that with all of Spain watching, what might they do privately? So with all of that, on top of the other criticism coming from TV and the internet, it led Rubiales to finally apologize and say, surely I was wrong, I have to admit. Them then going on to say he didn't mean anything malicious by the kiss and even apologized to those he described as idiots. But with all that said, I gotta ask, which camp do you land in? Do you think he was completely in the wrong? Do you think this is overblown? Are you landing somewhere in the middle? What are your thoughts and why? And then the government could very well shut down with the House Freedom Caucus firing their first warning shot over the impending government shutdown. Right, that caucus consists of about three dozen Republicans and they announced today that they will be opposing the stopgap bill that McCarthy proposed last week unless their terms are met. And as far as their demands, those include more funding for border defense, hefty cuts to the DOJ and FBI, and an end to the so-called woke policies of the Department of Defense. And saying in a statement, we refuse to support any such measure that continues Democrats' bloated COVID-era spending and simultaneously fails to force the Biden administration to follow the law and fulfill its most basic responsibilities. And they went on to say they would, quote, oppose any attempt by Washington to revert to its old playbook of using a series of short-term funding extensions designed to push Congress up against a December deadline to force the passage of yet another monstrous, budget-busting, pork-filled, lobbyist handout omnibus spending bill at year's end. And the things they're demanding are very unlikely to be approved by the Democrat-controlled Senate. Right, so with this caucus opposing the stopgap, it's just boosting the likelihood of a shutdown after the September deadline. And so with that, we've seen several Democrats responding to the caucus's threats. With New York Representative Hakeem Jeffries responding to the demands, saying House Republicans are determined to shut down the government and crash our economy, but saying we will fight these MAGA extremists every step of the way. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer saying in a statement, if the House decides to go in a partisan direction, it will lead to a Republican cause shutdown. But for now, we'll keep our eyes on this mess. Of course, the deadline for this is September 30th, but also the House isn't even scheduled to return to Washington in full until halfway through next month. And then the AI threat to creators is very real and growing. I mean, we're well over 100 days into the writer's strike. Fear of studios using AI to create scripts is only grown. But thanks to this latest ruling on AI and copyright, studios might want to think twice before replacing their writers with artificial intelligence. Because U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell just ruled that art generated by AI is not eligible for copyright protection. And notably, that ruling backs up the initial finding from the U.S. Copyright Office. With it delivered as part of the order shutting down a bid by Stephen Thaler, the chief executive of Imagination Engines, a neural network firm, where Thaler had been crusading for copyright on a work created by his AI system, the Creativity Machine. With him saying that as the owner of the AI, he was entitled to the copyright on the work. But the Copyright Office disagreed 
disagreed, rejecting his application on the grounds that human authorship is necessary in order to get copyright protections. That rejection prompting Thaler to sue, and in his motion for a summary judgment, Thaler and his attorneys argued that permitting AI to be listed as an author on copyrighted works would incentivize more creation. But in their cross motion for a summary judgment, the Copyright Office argued, the office's conclusion that copyright law does not protect non-human creators was a sound and reasoned interpretation of the applicable law. And Judge Howe sided with them, saying, in the absence of any human involvement in the creation of the work, the clear and straightforward answer is the one given by the register. No. With her then going on to say, the act of human creation and how to best encourage human individuals to engage in that creation and thereby promote science and the useful arts was thus central to American copyright from its very inception. And adding, non-human actors need no incentivization with the promise of exclusive rights under United States law and copyright was therefore not designed to reach them. But how did also acknowledge the rapidly changing landscape of copyright law with the development of AI, even nodding to Thaler's argument regarding the malleability of law to account for changes in technology. But still, Howell said, copyright has never stretched so far, however, as to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating absent any guiding human hand as plaintiff urges here. Human authorship is a bedrock requirement of copyright. With her then going on to say that future cases could be more complex and will prompt more questions as to how human input is necessary to qualify the user of an AI as an author. Now, as far as their response, Thaler's lawyer, Ryan Abbott, said that they do plan on appealing the decision and saying in a statement, we disagree with the district court's decision. In our view, copyright law is clear that the American public is the beneficiary of the law, and the public benefits when the generation and dissemination of works is encouraged regardless of how the works are made. But for now, this ruling may give entertainment studios pause in implementing AI into their script writing process. So understand, this ruling does not make it all black and white. Right back in March, the U.S. Copyright Office published guidance saying they're open to evaluating ownership of AI-supported work on a case-by-case -case basis. Right, essentially saying work that is solely generated by an AI is not copyrightable, but work that is created by a person with support of AI could be, if it's arranged in a, quote, sufficiently creative way that the resulting work constitutes an original work of authorship. And that is where your daily dive into the news is going to end. But two things. The first being, if you have bought anything from me in like the last five years, check your email. There's a very good chance I'm in your inbox or your spam folder. It's about a secret thing I wanted to give you first access to. And two, for more news you need to know, I got you covered right here. You can click or tap, or I got links in the description down below. Or if you've already seen everything, do not worry, because my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love your faces, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.